As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hey everybody, what's up? Welcome into the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. It is Wednesday, July 27th. Michael Beller here with you. Apologies for the 24-hour delay. We've just got some shifting schedules here in TAFFP land. So uh, one day later than usual for our first episode of the week. Hopefully you were able to make it through your Tuesday totally fine and not completely debilitated by the lack of a TAFFP episode in your feed. On today's episode, me, Brandon Funston, Jake Seeley are going to get into another round of In Out or No Doubt. And today's topic, you guys, I'm actually pretty excited about. This is one of the, this sort of spurred the idea in my mind. We're going to talk about real life running back twos, guys like Tony Pollard, Ramondre Stevenson, guys who are actually the number two running back on their depth chart, but who we know are going to have roles to play in the fantasy football world. And and that's what really got my my motor running when I was thinking about this idea. So hey, Jake Seeley, I'll bring you in here first. I'm excited about this idea, man. I think you're going to bring a lot of thunder for us. Uh, the idea that we've been doing already? Or a brand new? No, idea no, no. This specific RB two. These are these real life RB two <laughs> okay. guys. Okay. So yeah. okay, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I saw I saw the list, and it feels like a lot of guys. Well, no, I, I'm not even going. I was going to tease, but well, you'll see. You'll see my reaction to most of them. <laughs> All right, that's very good. I like that. I like that you had an instant reaction to these guys, Funston. I mean, this is a, this is a class of player that has become more and more important in the fantasy football world, and so all these guys who we're going to talk about, uh, I think we're going to have some opinions on them. Yeah, these are the flexy sexies of the Ooh. fantasy football world. So, and I, you know, we're gonna basically be talking about this and having to pit these guys against each other in these mm-hmm. in these conversations. Yeah, right. We're pitting them against each other. We're pitting them in some ways, not purely, but in some ways against the guy who is on the top of the depth chart on their respective team. And, and I think there's one that is. No more interesting when we're talking about the top guy versus his understudy than in Dallas with Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard. So let's start right there, you guys. Tony Pollard right now has an ADP going back to the 1st of July of 84.1 in NFFC leagues. That makes him the 30th running back off the board in a typical draft. We have been living with Tony Pollard having a major role, a meaningful role in Dallas's offense for years, Jake. Plenty of us in the fantasy world have wanted to see that role grow. Where do you stand on Tony Pollard at this draft day price? I, I am in, so just 
I'm, I'm good with it because yeah. actually this is where Tony Pollard finished last year was RB30. And that was with Zeke, though. The all reports we keep having every single time is, hey, he wasn't 100% for most of the year. Zeke should be better this year and all that. And Dallas is going to keep going to him because they gave him the contracts. And, you know, Jerry Jones doesn't want to look like an idiot. So all that being said, the real appeal of Tony Pollard is similar to A.J. Dillon and the likes like him, like even like Michael Carter in this conversation or Rashad Penny as these guys who are going to see some touches every single week, mm-hmm. maybe a desperation flex play. But if anything were to happen to the lead option, there's this top five, maybe we could get seven or eight of real options where we say, okay, we have potential top 15 running back value here. So I actually have him right at 30. He finished at 30 last year. I have him RB 30 here. So I'm in properly at this spot. You know, Kareem Hunt's in this conversation and other guys like that. Melvin Gordon. I think that's where Tony Pollard belongs. And yeah. I think this is a proper spot for him. If you're looking at this and you go wide receiver heavy, like let's say you have four wide receivers and only one running back, then I would be out. So I, if I'm going to shift to either side of being hard all in and not out at all. Like I'll shift more towards the out because there's more likely a chance that my roster makeup is going to mm-hmm. push me away mm-hmm. from Tony Pollard. Yeah, I am. And I have met RB 29. I'd love to figure out a way to get him even higher. I like imagining Tony Pollard and what he could do this year. As Jake mentioned, he basically finished here last year. And I think with Ezekiel Elliott, you know, they're talking about how he's in good shape and all that. That was that same narrative was out there last year. He was in good shape, you know, and, and then he wore down, like, I don't know, it was about week six. He kind of got dinged up and we saw a precipitous drop in his production. But like, I think Dallas is probably at the point where they might think that a little bit less is more for Ezekiel Elliott. Mm-hmm. Give Tony Pollard a little bit more, but you got Amari Cooper gone. This is, uh, you know, Tony Pollard, the Memphis product has a, that, some of that Antonio Gibson DNA where he was slash receiver running back at Memphis. And so, you know, you've heard reports that they've been running Pollard in the slot and, and splitting him out a bit. And you can see them doing that a lot with Amari Cooper being gone and Michael Gallup not being 100%. So I do think there will be a bigger workload there. It's just right now it's hard to find a way to get him any higher because the volume for the guys right. in front of him just feel like they're going to be so much better. Some people will get hurt. And Tony Pollard, if he doesn't get hurt, he plays like 15 games like he did last year. I think his upside, you know, could be to push that back into that RB2 if things break right. I've got nowhere to argue with you guys here. I am in on Tony Pollard. Exactly what you said, Funson. RB29 for me also, and I wish I could push him higher, but just because of the volume concerns, it's hard to do so. What you love about Tony Pollard uh, is a combination of what you guys just said. Uh, Number one, he's going to have those week-in, week-out touches, so it's not like he needs Zeke to get hurt or Zeke to miss time to have at least flex value in your typical fantasy league, but if Zeke were to get hurt, if Zeke were to miss time, then Tony Pollard is a no-doubt-about-it locked-in starter field who you feel great about in those spots. So you look at all that, and this is just an easy guy for me to get on board with. And then the one thing that I'll add to the uh, to the conversation here is that when a running back loses his fastball, he loses his fastball. And there's not like a perfect pitcher analogy to make with Ezekiel Elliott, but uh, yeah, I mean, right, yeah, something like that. Like for a guy who was once upon a time, once upon a time, once upon a time, he was out there just pumping 96, 96, 96 on the black. He can do that now from time to time, but he's more like sitting in the low 90s uh, if he's got to go out there and throw five, six innings. And so I think that's going to lead to more opportunities for Tony Pollard. And like you said, Funston, for a team that has designs on, you know, playing deep into January, maybe into February, if things break right for him, they got to view Ezekiel Elliott as a guy who is key to their team in January, not necessarily quite as much in October. So all that adds up for this to be a pretty easy selection for me and for you guys as well, a unanimous in on Tony Pollard. 
Let's go to Ramondre Stevenson here, you guys. This one I find a little bit more interesting. 101.43, and that's basically how I feel too, Jake. 101.43 on the ADP, RB35 at the position. Um, Jake, you're going to have to save that for a second here. Funston, where are you sitting on Stevenson? <laughs> I'm a bit out, and it's it's mostly – and I'm going to have to – he's an interesting one to me because James White, you know, the reports on his health aren't great. There's talk that they're using Ramondre Stevenson in, in that passing down role a bit and taking a look at him. If that really proves itself out, then that could be interesting, and I would be motivated to move him up a bit. But right now I'm a little bit behind uh, what his ADP is. I think I'm 37-38, where he's 35, um, mainly because – I saw Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson go head to head last year and Damian Harris ended up winning out, you know, and he was touchdown machine. I think he's going to continue to have that goal line role. So Ramondre Stevenson for him, in my mind to really move up, he does have to do a decent amount of work in the passing game. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to put a pin on that and watch and see how things go. But for right now, if I'm drafting today, I'm a little bit behind ADP on him. Yeah, and it's good timing, too, because while we're doing this show, it's all the Ramondre Stevenson, look at him running with the ones. Uh, I <laughs> tweeted this out as we started the show, so you'll know when we're recording the show. Again, reminder, every single year, running with the ones means Jack Diddley. Running with the ones is the only way you can evaluate players. The only thing you should pay attention to is if you're not even getting a chance to run with the ones. Mm -hmm. Then that's telling that you have no hope for this guy. But running with the ones doesn't mean Jack squat. The only thing that matters is what Funston said. But I'm actually concerned that Pierre Strong is just not the James White answer. And we've heard some people covering teams. So this is going to be one of those situations. Uh, we talk about this as well a lot of times that I even mentioned on several podcasts by now. Is like when one or two people say something covering the team's beat reporters, even from the athletic, you're kind of like, all right, let me put a pin in it and remember that. Uh -huh. Once four, five, six, seven people start saying the same thing, then you're like, okay, we really need to put some weight into this. So what Funston's getting at is what I agree with. If Stevenson is going to replace the James White role and still get some of his touches, and now he falls into Melvin Gordon last year, mm -hmm. well, that was top 25 running back. So that's an interesting situation. But right now I'm with Funston. I'm kind of out on it. I have him lower than his ADP because I do think it's going to be Pierre Strong, if not James White. And it's going to be those two. And as Funston said, and I've said time and time again, the rose-colored glassing of what Stevenson did last year. His two biggest games took over 20 carries per game, and Damian Harris was already doing that on fewer touches before that. And then one of those games, Damian Harris was out. One of those games was a 50-10 to 10 blowout of Jacksonville. That uh, yeah. that he had all those all that big uh, production in, and so we're he also got a good amount of work in that snow game when Damian Harris had what ten carries for over a hundred something yeah. yards, and yeah. they're like, all right, we'll give Stevenson some. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And so it is rose colored glasses on Ramondre Stevenson, and you look at the end of season numbers, and you think about you know a team that wasn't super dynamic offensively, a guy who was clearly, clearly, clearly his team's number two, and you think you know this isn't bad, young guy, maybe gets a little bit larger of a role, maybe the offense is a tiny bit better, blah 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 blah. You could definitely like paint the logic picture correctly if you're trying to make that argument uh, for Ramondre Stevenson but you really got to strip it of all the context that went into Ramondre Stevenson putting up what those end of season numbers were once again another spot where we are unanimous and I agree you guys made the, the key point here if indeed you know we're in training camp for two and a half three weeks and it is becoming clear that he that James White is way behind schedule and that Stevenson is going to be in the James White role plus getting his I don't know, seven carries a game, then maybe we're thinking about Ramondre Stevenson, uh, similar to a guy who we're going to talk to and uh, talk about in a second. Not going to talk to him, unfortunately. He's a little bit busy practicing, but talk about in a second. Uh, if he doesn't quite get there, then you're talking about a guy who, unlike Tony Pollard, needs that injury 
to be a meaningful fantasy player. And at one ADP right at 100, we're still talking about a meaningful time in the draft. We're still talking about a time where you can get some real big impact players on your team. So uh, unless we get that information on Stevenson, that he is going to be the James White, or things start to drop for him, it's going to be pretty easy for me to pass as well. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The next guy who we're going to hit here is that guy who I just referenced. No, not talking to him, but we will talk about Kareem Hunt. And I'll go first here, you guys. ADP of 91.87, running back 33, so he slots right in between Tony Pollard and Ramondre Stevenson. I'm going to go back to something Jake said when we were talking about Tony Pollard. I am a team context-based in on Kareem Hunt. If I've gone RB heavy in the first few rounds of my draft, if I'm if it gets to you know Kareem Hunt time-ish and I've already got you know, three backs on my team, something like that, then I'm probably not taking Kareem Hunt. But if I've got one back on my team, then he becomes interesting because what he has done in his time in Cleveland is pretty reliable, both in terms of the way the team uses him and the way he produces on that usage. He's played 32 games with the Browns, 9.9 carries per game, 3.8 targets per game. That includes the games with and without uh, Nick Chubb, so obviously the usage moves around a little bit. But I think the takeaway here is that you can pretty much script um, Kareem Hunt for somewhere in the 12 to 15 opportunity range per game with about two-thirds of those coming on the ground and one-third of those coming through the air. And so that's going to be a useful player. He's proved to be able to produce with those sorts of numbers. He has that RB1 upside if and when Nick Chubb were to miss time. A lot of similarities to Tony Pollard. I just don't quite think he has the opportunity to have his role grow organically the way that Pollard does this year, which is why I'm in on Pollard, but just a my team build in on Kareem Hunt. Jake, you're up now. What do you think about Kareem? Uh, copy, paste, Tony Pollard. In, at cost, uh, and where he is, I don't want him as my RB2, and that's really what it comes down to. And we've seen from Kareem Hunt. The interesting thing is, I have a little bit more concern for Kareem Hunt than I do for Tommy Pollard if something were to happen to both leads because we've seen it already as Cleveland turns to Kareem Hunt, but then they're like, yeah, but we're still going to involve somebody else. Meanwhile, when DeAndre Johnson was in the league, they gave him bell cow work. They didn't involve anybody else, which was really weird. We all sat here and said that last year. It was like, why are they treating DeAndre Johnson the way that we wanted them to treat Kareem Hunt when we've seen Kareem Hunt? do this in this path we've seen him do that so i think it's interesting i don't know if cleveland's just not enamored with cream hunt for what they've had but it also comes down to as well as there's a lot of speculation still on what this team's going to be quarterback wise and if it's percent for the entire season versus dak and that offense for the entire season i'd prefer pollard to hunt but they're still both in the same conversation i slightly lean pollard but they're in the same conversation for me i want i don't want them to be my rb2s 
Well, here's the thing, and I'm in on Cream Hunt at, at 33, and I've been in, I've been, done a decent amount of drafts so far. What I love about Cream Hunt is he's like ADP 33, and he almost always falls to 33. Hmm. Like, there's people in your league sometimes that will just go, they'll be drinking the Kool Aid on Tony Pollard, and they might draft him like RB 24. There's some volatility mm-hmm. to Tony Pollard, and nets out kind of around the same range, but with Cream Hunt. He's like always there as your RB3, and I've been picking him up uh, in decent amount of leagues. It's almost always someone that I can wait on, and he'll be there. And there's a really good ROI feel about taking him at that spot. We mentioned what he's done in Cleveland. He's been in half PPR leagues the last two years. He's getting a little bit over a dozen points per game, which, Mm -hmm. you know, you play that over 16 or 17 games. That's going to net out if he plays a full season, maybe at the back end of the RB2, which we've seen him do. And so he just seems like a really good investment if you can get him at RB3. And I would say probably more than some of these other guys we're talking about, you really can get him at RB3. Nick Chubb's great in short yardage, and Nick Chubb's great at the goal line, but because of what Kareem is able to do in the passing game, you, you see them use him quite a bit inside the 10-yard line, too. And uh, you know, he obviously was no slouch in terms of punching in those short yardage touchdowns either in uh, Kansas City, so it's not like a pure division of labor when it comes to, to that part of the game, too. So Kareem Hunt, I feel like more so than a lot of these guys who we think of as pass-catch first backs, I think he's got a little bit more touchdown upside than the average one of those guys because of what he's capable of as a runner or how often Cleveland is willing to use them at the same time when they do get into that scoring range. And again, a team that is in flux, right? Uh, you know, we, we don't know what the situation is going to be exactly at quarterback. Uh, they've got Amari Cooper here now, but uh, not a whole lot else that they can certainly hang their hat on in the passing game. Kareem Hunt, I think, becomes one of the more interesting X factors across the league, not just from a fantasy standpoint. We're always going to talk about him like that, but uh, in our world of the uh, of the football world, in our corner of the football world. But in terms of how Cleveland builds out its offense, he's one of the more interesting individual players to keep an eye on uh, this uh, this uh, coming month and as we get into the early weeks of the regular season. So uh, again, this is a fun, fun group of players. And the next one I think is going to uh, be a guy who uh, has a lot of people drawing hard lines in the sand, and that is A.J. Dillon, you guys who we're all expecting a bigger rollout of in Green Bay this year. The market certainly reflects that he's the one outlier here. We've been talking about RB30 and beyond so far. A.J. Dillon is up at RB24, ADP of 60.99 overall. So you have to like A.J. Dillon. If A.J. Dillon is going to be on your team, there is going to be no falling into the lap. Jake, where are you at on A.J. Dillon? Uh, again, right in, right at this price. Uh, and the opportunities where Dylan's been the lead slash um, mid-digit carries, he has no fewer than seven points, which doesn't sound great. But you're talking about a split backfield, no fewer than seven. And then when given the opportunity, when eight, or when Aaron Jones missed the time, most of those games ended up being 15 to 25 fantasy points. We've seen from A.J. Dillon, I think, a higher ceiling than Kareem Hunt because I go back to the Kareem Hunt is they keep involving Dearness Johnson or somebody else. So, like, Kareem Hunt I don't think is that far from A.J. Dillon, but if you told me as of today, Jake, it's, you know, July 27th, Aaron Jones and uh, – sorry, uh, for this, this happens, don't blame me, but Aaron Jones and Nick <laughs> Chubb both got hurt and they're out for the season. Uh-huh. I would draft A.J. Dillon over Kareem Hunt. Because, again, we've seen it. And, like, we know A.J. Dillon could be a solid pass catcher. Not to the level of Kareem Hunt, but enough 
that he would step into that bell cow. Packers have used him as a bell cow when Aaron Jones has missed time. Uh, Kareem Hunt, again, spells a little bit more. So I think at this price, I'm okay with it because also at this price, right behind him, like for my rankings, I actually have him at 25. You have Edwards Alaire, possibly split situation. Kenan Walker, split situation. Dobbins, split. Edmonds, split. And then we're talking about Pollard and Hunt. It's all these split backfields. And if I'm going to take a split backfield, I'm going to go for the highest ceiling one. Where if any of, again, all these guys have their lead options hurt or the person they're sharing with, I would take A.J. Dillon over all of them. Yeah, I don't know. I'm a little bit out on A.J. Dillon. I'm at RB27. I, like, I'm okay if you want to go RB24. I understand what the argument is there. I don't know that Devontae Adams being gone helps Green Bay's offense and A.J. Dillon. Uh, maybe a few less trips to the red zone. I think Aaron Jones, I know A.J. Dillon had 34 catches in 17 games. Not a bad number. But do they – do they lean on to Aaron Jones a little bit more in the passing game to where they're actually having both of them out there at the same time? And, and maybe AJ Dillon's limited a little bit more in the passing game because of that. Um, I mean, I can see it both ways. I'm just slightly out. I think there's, there's some, I, I think he's going to be pretty safe to return somewhere in the middle twenties value at running back. It's just a, a guy that I just can't get myself to really, uh, you know, go after in drafts. I just, there's something about it just eats at me with AJ Dillon. So I'm slightly out. Yeah. I'm going to side with Funston on this one slightly out as well for a lot of the same reasons. And I also don't think you're crazy if you are in on AJ Dillon at this spot. For me, what it comes down to is the opportunity cost that is attached to AJ Dillon, the people who have ADPs immediately after him. Uh, again, this is NFFC since July 1st. Joe Burrow, Elijah Mitchell, Lamar Jackson, Rashad Bateman, Kyler Murray, Juju Smith-Schuster, Chris Godwin, Amari Cooper, Elijah Moore, and on and on and on. It's hard for me to get on board with AJ Dillon when it means passing on guys like that. And I would say that your standard home league, it's probably not going to be passing on Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray and guys like that. They'll probably go a little bit earlier, but we're still talking about an opportunity. Yeah, right. Like the, the opportunity cost starts to get a little pricey for me when we're talking about a guy who, again, like, you know, say what you will about Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones is the number one running back in this offense. Aaron Jones is going to have the most opportunity in this offense. Aaron Jones is going to lead the team in carries. Aaron Jones from the running back position is going to lead the team in targets. There's no question about that. So it becomes hard for me to get on board with a guy who we know is going to be second on his own team at his own position when you have to take him and pass on the likes of Elijah Mitchell or Rashad Bateman or Chris Godwin, who we got solid pup news on to start Bucks camp. Uh, don't really care about Julio Jones. Hope that helps drive down the Chris Godwin cost. Like there's, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of almost wish casting, I think with play, playing AJ Dillon as a top 60 overall player. So that's why, well, that's why like, I'm out. And that adjusts too. So I have Mitchell one spot in front of AJ Dillon. So I agree with you there. I, mm-hmm. I, I have Godwin well ahead of AJ Dillon overall. Um, I actually have him in front of Juju Smith-Schuster, so I'll push back on that one. But again, you know, that's kind of your opinion. And like if Juju's Mm -hmm. the guy, which I think there's a little bit more sharing. And the real upside here is, you know, I don't think any of us disagree on this point, is you're not drafting A.J. Dillon at the 24th, 25th, 26th running back, hoping you get the 24th, 25th, 26th running back. I mean, you're drafting him as in like you're hoping you do have Aaron Jones miss a few games or potentially even half the season and all of a sudden you have a league winner. So again, I think what's been the context of all these running backs today, there's the spoiler since we're approaching the last one, is it was kind (laughs) of like a, they're, they're all like, they're in the same conversation. They're all potentially league winners, but you really don't want any of them as your RB2, including your Mm -hmm. last one that you're about to bring up. (laughs) 
yeah, I think that's uh, that's a great way to look at it. That's a great way to think about this entire class of backs. And so that's not a bad way to to rank them. Like you uh, referenced with Kareem Hunt versus Tony Pollard is which one of these guys, if the starter goes down, would I rank highest? If I knew that the starter was out, where would I be ranking these guys right now? It's not a bad way to think about uh, ranking these players as you're going through them, or at least think about them during your draft when you are maybe deciding between two of them or figuring out how to fill out uh, your running back depth chart. A good way to, a good thing certainly to have in mind. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner StubHub has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. That last guy, this was a this was a tough one for me, you guys, because I, you know, we were trying to keep these to five players, we're trying to keep these to thirty minutes, so I wasn't exactly sure how I wanted to attack the last one. I knew I wanted to get these four in, who we've already talked about. And you can make a case that Melvin Gordon could be in this, but we've talked about Melvin Gordon. You can make a case that we can just talk about the Seattle backfield here, but that's maybe best suited for a different style of episode. So let's talk about James Cook. Buffalo Bills rookie running back, a guy who they scrambled to uh, and maybe re-scrambled their brains after losing J.D. McKissick after they thought they had signed McKissick. So James Cook ends up landing in Buffalo in the draft. He sits at 103.63 for his ADP and RB36. So, I mean, immediately behind Ramondre Stevenson. That could certainly be a decision you're making if you're in the running back market at that point of the draft. Ramondre Stevenson versus James Cook. Funston, don't worry about that Stevenson versus Cook and your answer here. How are you just looking at James Cook when you think about 103.63 overall RB36? I'm out, and I don't dislike James Cook. I just, if you believe in RB36 James Cook, you believe in a, a sea change for Buffalo offensively. Mm-hmm. Like, this hasn't been a team that's really ran the ball that much, let alone throw to the running back. And that's what, you know, they're talking about James Cook's role is going to be in this offense is they're going to throw the ball to James Cook. He's going to be the receiving running back. But the problem I, I see is as much as you can say we want to throw the ball to the running back more, you have Josh Allen has one of the best arms in the world, and he's like Ben Roethlisberger, but with wheels. And so you're asking him, like sometimes you're thrown to the running back because it's just a white flag check down. And, and Josh Allen doesn't do white flag check downs. I, I mean, he's got Stephon Diggs, got Gabe Davis, love Jamison Crowder, likes to throw the slot guys. He likes to throw the ball downfield. I feel mm-hmm. like, you know, the coaching staff might say, hey, we got James Cook. He's an option. Uh, I, I feel like it's going, you're going to have to, force Josh Allen to throw the ball to the running back. And so for me, that worries me a little bit that though, even though he could take on that role, it might not be a lucrative enough role for him to finish as a back end RB three. I have a hard time just washing away the memories of what this Buffalo backfield has been for the last few years. Jake, let me jump in. We'll give you the last word here. Cause I'm feeling the same way as Funston and I'll just put the exact numbers on it. I looked it up before the show. Uh, In the Josh Allen era, which of course stretches back to 2018, Buffalo Bills running backs have ranked the following in catches and yards among team running backs. Uh, In 2018, they were 31st in catches, 26th in yards. 2019, they were 28th and 29th. 2020, they were 28th and 26th. Last year, they were 28th and 27th. You can point to personnel and say they haven't had a pass-catching running back as good as James Cook, and, and maybe that proves to be true, but I need to see that before I invest in it. I just don't see Buffalo making a meaningful enough change to what they do offensively, even without Brian Dable, to make James Cook really worth it at this price. Yeah, so the percentage of throws to running backs last year, there were only four 
quarterbacks with a lower percentage. Matthew Stafford, Huntley, Russell Wilson, and Tag <laughs> Tagovailoa. Tag, I, I get it. Well, it's Tua Tagovailoa. I couldn't even say his last name for some reason. <laughs> I hung up on that one. If you go through, as you just mentioned, Josh Allen's career of 78 quarterbacks with 100 pass attempts over those four years, only four have thrown fewer pass attempts percentage-wise to their quarterback or running backs, that being Blaine Gabbert, Huntley, Geno, and Ryan Finley. He doesn't throw to running backs. So as Fonsta said, it's not even just the fact that you have to change the system or change Josh Allen, which, yes, could he jump to 20% because his numbers are in the 14% range. Could he jump to 20% and just because now there's a question who's the number three, if it's Crowder, like whatever it might be, like maybe he does use the backfield a little bit more. It still comes down to what this backfield is, is Devin Singletary last year. We finally saw get Belkow work and he was a RB1 during that stretch. I don't think anybody thinks that's happening again especially with drafting of James Cook, and they went after J.D. McKissick, as Funston brought up. But we're looking at a split backfield, best-case scenario. It's 50-50 with Cook. Best case, it's 50-50 with mm-hmm. Cook. But Josh Allen still saps so much of the backfield himself just from his rushing, and most importantly, his rushing touchdowns. So the interesting thing here is after I say all that, I am in at running back costs, but I'm completely way out at overall costs because <laughs> yeah, it's two different things. Sure. The RB where he's going is fine, but because RBs huh. are, you know, this is the dead zone and they're kind of pushed up the draft board at this point, overall, I'm completely out because I don't like where he's going overall. I have no problem where he's going at mm-hmm. running back. Yep. And that's all. That's why we talk about every draft as its own little ecosystem, because if he's RB 36, but he's pick 120, things change a little bit. But if he's RB 36 at pick 100, then that becomes a price that's just way too much for it sounds like any of us to want to get on board. These RB twos huge in the real life NFL world, becoming ever more increasingly important in our fantasy world as well. So hopefully we've helped you uh, sort out how you should be thinking about those guys with, you know, it's the last week of July guys. Like we're really getting into fantasy football draft season right now. That's going to do it for this episode of the athletic fantasy football podcast. Thanks so much for being with us for Jake and Funston. I'm Michael Bauer back with you with one more episode this week until then. Have a great couple of days. We'll talk to you soon.